0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. On Passover and Easter Sunday, the facts don't matter. I am well aware that this is blasphemy, but what I mean is this, every theological argument for the literal truth of the Bible can be refuted by scholars. Every scholarly argument against the literal truth of the Bible can be refuted by theologians. And from the long ago time, I was trying to slog through these arguments, the theologians contradicting one another, the scholars refuting one another, this is the torture of divinity school. I can tell you it was clear to me then, and it is clear to me now, that for once the facts are not what matter. What matters are the stories. The story of the Exodus tells us that Moses, an unlikely prophet, encountered God in a burning bush, led the Israelites up out of Egypt, across the Red Sea to Mount Sinai, wandering in the desert for 40 years. And at the age of 120, within sight of the promised land died. The story of the rabbi Jesus tells us that he preached love of self and enemy alike, was murdered by the state for his radicalism and that his tomb was empty, freeing us to life everlasting. These are the stories of a people's liberation from bondage despite every odd against them. The story of the redeeming and resurrecting power of love, despite every odd against it. And then there are the 10,000 stories descended from these. Today, we are called to the spiritual practice of living these stories. I am thinking this morning of cousins, Lysia Orshoko and Alona Chugai, two among the millions of Ukrainians who are running from their lives as Russian forces invade their homeland. They landed in Israel last month and were greeted by Sharon Bass, a friend who was repaying an ancient kindness. In Ukraine, during the Holocaust, Sharon's grandmother was sheltered and saved by Leysia's grandmother. Nearly 80 years ago, Fanya Rosenfeld-Bass lost her parents and five siblings to the Nazis. She alone was hidden in the Ukrainian town of Rafalauka by a courageous woman named Maria Bleitschik. In 1944, when the Red Army liberated Rafa Alka, Fanya moved to Israel to begin again. Over and over, she told the story to her children and her grandchildren, the story of the good woman who sustained her moral compass and her humanity in the face of unspeakable immorality and inhumanity. In 1995, Yad Vashem, Israel's Holocaust Museum honored Maria as righteous among the nations. Fania lived to be 97 years old. Maria's granddaughter, Lacia and Alona's visas out of Ukraine to Israel, made possible by her granddaughter, Sharon, came through on the third anniversary of Fania's death. This is the story of a safe homecoming to the promised land. This is the meaning of resurrection. We too live these homecoming and resurrection stories. Each of us has lived through two years of a global pandemic yearning to be free. At worst, we have known the darkness of the tomb, abandonment, betrayal, disappointment, failure, illness, loss. At best, we understand ourselves as one among 7.2 billion people going through it all together. Understand that having lived beyond the nearly 6.2 million lives lost to COVID-19, it is ours now to tell the story. My colleague, Lisa Doge, who serves our congregation in Hanska, Minnesota writes, the true story of Passover is this, the human journey brings us each of us again and again into slavery and up from slavery into the wilderness and delivers us to the promised land the true story of easter is this the human calendar is filled with good fridays and easter mornings days of death and days of resurrection. These are holy days, my friends. This is a holy time. Come to remind us that in spite of everything, the human spirit is capable of triumphing in ways, nothing short of miraculous against all odds. And indeed it does again and again. I want to say something about miracles. There's a story of the Buddha meeting an ascetic who told him that having practiced for many years, he could now walk on water and proceeded to cross the river. The Buddha also purported to have been able to walk on water was unimpressed. The feat he said was worth little more than the few cents it took to cross the ferry. Why didn't you just take the boat? For starters, no, a miracle is not just a good trick. In the Christian Testaments, the original Greek words translated as miracle more accurately mean signs or wonders. A miracle points beyond itself, inspiring awe. American journalist, George Howe Colt wrote, the idea that serendipitous details of daily life might be telltales of some larger presence is alluring. It feels pleasant to be on alert for angels as opposed to say muggers. Are we willing to look for signs, to seek and find meaning and wonder, even to believe in miracles. There are only two ways to live your life, said physicist Albert Einstein. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is to live as if everything is a miracle. Walt Whitman wrote, as to me, I know nothing but miracles. To me, every hour of the light and dark is a miracle. Every cubic inch of space is a miracle. My colleague Lynn Unger writes, the Easter story in all its grimness and glory is after all a sign and a wonder. It is a pointer toward the saving conviction that even when life is tragic, there is still hope that the irreparable might be in some unforeseen way repaired. In the most unexpected ways, miracles turn us from death toward life. I remember a story told by my friend and colleague, Rebecca Ann Parker. She was pregnant and eager to be a parent. Her husband though could not face parenthood and gave her the option of ending their marriage or ending the pregnancy. Rebecca had an abortion and then her husband left her anyway. She was absolutely shattered. Years later in her book, Proverbs of Ashes, she wrote, everything I most loved had slipped out of my hands. I felt there was nothing left to hold on to, not my marriage, not my child, not my faith. I spiraled into grief and self-directed anger. And one night I came to the end of my will to live. I just wanted the anguish to stop. I lived at the top of a hill above a lake Sometime after midnight, I left my house and started walking down the hill. The water would be cold enough. I could walk into it and then swim and then let go, sink down into the darkness and go home to God. The thought was comforting. I had no second thoughts. The night was cold and clear. At the bottom of the hill, I crested a small grassy rise and began the descent to the welcoming water. When I was caught short by a barrier that hadn't been there before, it looked like a long line of, oddly shaped sawhorses laid out to the left and to the right, the width of the grassy field. In the dark, I couldn't see a way to get around either end, but it looked like I could climb over the middle. I quickened my pace, impelled by grief that would not let me go. As I got closer, dark forms before my eyes seemed to be moving. I squinted to understand what I was seeing. cold, bunchy shapes were human beings bundled up in parkas and hats. The stick shapes weren't sawhorses, they were telescopes. It was the Seattle Astronomy Club. And one of them looked up from his eyepiece and said enthusiastically, I have it focused perfectly on Jupiter. Come take a look. Rebecca continues, I didn't want to be rude. (laughs) So I bent down and looked through the telescope. There was Jupiter, banded red and glowing. Isn't it great, the astronomer asked. It was great. Jupiter was beautiful. Rebecca Parker concludes, I simply couldn't kill myself in the presence of these people who had gotten up in the middle of a cold night and gone out with their home built Radio Shack telescopes to look at planets and stars. And so the beauty of the night sky and the Seattle Astronomy Club kept me, in this world. You would be wrong to think of this moment as one in which joy triumphed over despair. Good came out of bad or love of life defeated desire for death. I did not, says Rebecca, I did not defeat negative feelings of anguish and despair because I saw something more lovely and good. My heart was still breaking with grief, but I became able to feel more. I was able to place that grief within a larger heart, within a wider embrace that could hold sorrow and joy, loss and illumination, death and life, 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 Beloved spiritual companions, on this Passover and Easter Sunday, the facts are not what matter. What matters are the stories and how we live them. The true story of Passover is this. The human journey brings us each of us again and again into slavery, and up from slavery into the wilderness and delivers us to the promised land. The story, the true story of Easter is this. The human calendar is filled with Good Fridays and Easter mornings, days of death and days of resurrection. This morning, Ukrainian refugees awakened in Israel in the home of the woman whose grandmother was sheltered from the Holocaust in their grandmother's home. This morning, Rebecca Ann Parker will awaken because years ago, the Seattle Astronomy Club and something more beautiful than death kept her among the living. May we, too, know the triumph of the human spirit, incline our hearts to freedom, and turn from death to life. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in Namaste. I bow to the divine in you. The true story of Passover is this. The human journey brings us, each of us, again and again into slavery and up for slavery into the wilderness and delivers us to the promised land. The true story of Easter is this, the human calendar is filled with good Fridays and Easter mornings, days of death and days of resurrection. May we too know the triumph of the human spirit, incline our hearts to freedom, and turn from death to life. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Happy Easter, amen.